Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing tonight? Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, coming to you. From South Florida, as usual, Poker Action Line, another edition on the air here, and we, we welcome you to the show once again. Uh, Joe, uh, welcome to you as well. Uh, appreciate uh, all your contributions to the show and look forward to talking a little strategy maybe tonight and a few other things. Uh, my pleasure. I've enjoyed this now, you and I, Dave, for yeah, we're coming up on almost 10 years next, of doing Next week this. will be actually be the 10-year mark for the show. Uh, March 10th, I believe, was the first show. Uh, back in uh, 2011. That'll be exactly a week from today. Yeah. And uh, shortly thereafter, it was it was really kind of a, a great time uh, as far as poker really taking off. Uh, and then, unfortunately, Black Friday hit like a year later and uh, slowed things down as far as the creation of a lot of online sites. But uh, the world of poker has uh, rebounded somewhat. We know that last week we talked about the four states that do have online poker. Two more uh, have passed uh, laws and are just in the uh, negotiating uh, of the rules and uh, the regulations, Michigan and uh, West Virginia. So a couple of more, and then maybe a few more this summer. We'll see what happens. Florida itself, uh, we could be a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, that's been my experience. <laughs> that's with the brick and mortar, so I can't even imagine, uh, you know, what the what the Internet will bring here. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I think that's many years away down the line. Uh, I was hoping we'd have sports betting, as many states have also approved that, you know, after the Supreme Court, uh, you know, allowed it to happen in every other state except for Vegas. Um, that's an amazing state of Vegas in the state of Nevada. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Dave. What, there's, there's, there's cities out there's, there's, Vegas? There's, out, there's somewhere else in Nevada that's not Vegas. But uh, 10 years, Dave, you know what? You know what? Uh, We've gone through a whole lot in those ten years, too, Big Dave. Yeah. Not only has poker gone through that, we we started on a Sunday, early Sunday morning, on the radio on 6:40 a.m. down here in South Florida, then moved to mid late Monday nights, uh, following Yankee baseball during the summer, and we've been very happily here at uh, at, at here at the studios over here for the last six what is it six plus years guys no more than that more than that more already than, more than eight now has it been eight yes. years here yes. oh my god well this this is definitely home for me here now on, as far as doing this show right this has been just such a wonderful location having joe and and geo with us so uh it's grown into one, as I call it, my radio family, <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun talking poker and, you know, all the different topics, all the great guests that we've had here for 10 years, Dave. Uh, I don't know. I've had a lot of fun, and I'm sure hoping that our listeners have enjoyed this for the, for the last uh, decade almost. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's mention a couple of uh, results here in the beginning of the show uh, as we kind of keep people up to date on what's going on in the world of poker. Uh, a little bit later, we'll talk about some of the uh, new enhancements to the uh, 2020 WSOP. Big stories coming out about that. 
they released a press release about what they're doing as far as how people can get their money and sign up and the improvements they've made. To, to try to sign up so you're already signed up, don't have to wait on those. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest lines. proponents, and I'll talk about it a little bit, is uh, Daniel Negreanu takes advantage of those kiosks. He said once he gets all signed up, he goes to these kiosks and plays the tournament he wants to play and heads right on over to the table. He said it's really a great situation. A lot of people are afraid to give out their information there. But he says, you know, this is the best way to play in a uh, uh, seven-week-long uh, series of tournaments. So he thinks it's a lot easier to sign up for the for the particular tournament that you want to play. Yeah, in. it's uh, now is he talking about signing up for all of them at one no, shot there, or just no, as, as they approach? No, he decides and then you know sees how he plays and that sort of thing. But there are actually uh, kiosks that can print out seat assignments, and uh, what you do is you set up a WSOP tournament account, and uh, you can wire money to it if that's what you need to do. And uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, but uh, oh, that's wonderful, yeah. actually. Yeah, there's good it's stuff. It's got to make it a lot easier with the, you know the thousands and thousands of entries that that go on for for multiple tournaments that are going on at the same time over there. It's just amazing. Yeah. Also, uh, we talked a little bit about it last week. I maybe a little expansion on it tonight, and that is women playing poker and what's going to happen at the World Series this year. We know that last year uh, there were over 8,500 players. Only 350 of them were women. So it's down to around three percent, uh, you know, and 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 we're not yeah, seeing yeah three between three and four percent. But know? the the numbers are a little bit better in some of the smaller tournaments, and I think on a daily basis in in rooms around this country, uh, you know, you see at least one woman at every player at every table. It seems like so about ten percent. I got I got to think that eventually, and then you know you get uh, some really good players, uh, and we know we talk about them all the time on this well, show. And uh, things are getting better. Well, let me tell you, Dave, you know, this is a thought that I've had now for a while, and I actually have not mentioned it on our show, and I should have a long time ago. But, you know, one of the greatest things to tournaments has been the TDA, you know, that they get together, the Tournament Directors Association, and kind of come up with different rules and make tweaks and take out bad ones and so on and so forth, is it might be time for the TDA besides the rules, is to maybe come together and figure out a way that poker rooms around the country come up with certain ideas that would allow, you know, our the women poker players to, you know, for those numbers to flourish, to go up there, to make them feel comfortable. You know, I know they go a long way with the ladies-only tournament of making a $10,000 entry for any idiot male that wants to enter, in my opinion. But, again, something has to be done to address this because 3 4%, I don't care how high, it, you know, little, it's, it's you know, tr- truly crawling up at, at best. And to me, that's a damn shame because there's so many talented women out there, poker players, uh, as we know, and I think, as you have said many times, Dave, that's the last frontier right. that poker has to overcome. You know, there is no other frontier that we have to overcome. That is that is the last push of people that we know, you know, that we need to get out there. And like I said, uh, being a father of three women, uh, you know, I've had women tournaments at High Lie when, when, when I was running the room from... Um, the high heels uh, tournament right. and, and everything else. With Lauren and Fi- Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it. 
as a poker as a poker manager director whatever the hell you wanted to call me it's i enjoyed the hell out of that and there's nothing like having your room filled with a lot of different intelligent you know poker playing women that are out there and we need we need to to make this number grow to forget about 3 4% we need this number to hit 10 and then start growing from there 20 25 uh, uh, that, that what's the what's well, the bottom let's line say, well let's say well let's say what's the bottom line well make it successful well, so, you know all the statistics tell you that there's a little bit more women than there are men in this world okay so look how disproportionate this percentage is i mean it's just ridiculous i honestly believe that this number should probably be if you if we do things right in the next couple of years and 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 really discuss this and and address what the issues that they're, they're having and the things that we as the poker industry as are not doing right to to protect these women so they don't have to go through some of the the you know the stuff that we hear um here their feedbacks as to what we have to do and get over this machismo thing of, oh, this is a men's sport and all of this. We address this, Dave. I believe you could see an immediate increase, say, let's say they address this very strongly over this next year for the following for 2021 WSOP. You might see that increase come very close to 10%. And if things are run well, based on how whatever changes they're going to make it to make it, you know, uh, more attractive for women to attend to these tournaments, to feel comfortable. I believe that number within a five-year period of that point could easily double what it is at that point. So you're looking at 2025. It's, it's, it's not a crazy number when you look at the population and how many women actually play poker. We just got to make that we we we've got to want them to play these tournaments, and it's it's up to it's up to the poker room, the tournament directors, you know, the the houses, the rooms, wanting to put the effort in to to invite these women yeah. and to make them feel comfortable. Well, obviously, there's a situation now that seems to be growing, and that is uh, the the building of relationships. At the poker table, we uh, talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, you know the top female poker player right now probably is Kristen Bicknell uh, from Canada, and her boyfriend is Alex Foxen, who might be the best male player in the world. Uh, they've been going, they've been going out for quite some time. Uh, I just did the interview over at the Seminole Hard Rock with a couple. David Prochak and Melissa Singh that have been going out for a while, and I wrote a little bit about it in an upcoming uh, article that's going to be on uh, Annie Epp, and uh, we have the more famous couples like uh, uh, Jennifer Tilly uh, and Phil Locke that have gone out for years. For years. With Liv Bowery, one of the great world players from England that goes out with Igor... uh, uh, I forget Kurlansky or I, I forgot his name. Well, but let's, let's look uh, to our hometown boy here, Jason Mercier. Jason Mercier gets married and has two children with uh, Natasha Barber, another and poker Al- player. N- Natasha Mercier. Uh, how about uh, also local here in South Florida now, Phil Wee and uh, Lonnie Harwood. So th- these are things that are happening. I got to think that 
uh, a lot of the men have smartened up and realized that, you know, instead of driving them away from the table, that they are treating women better, not picking them on them for certain moves. I mean, they don't well, let, they they don't let up on the on the novice players that make mistakes at the table. We know that whether they're men or women. Well, like I said, Dave. Yes, you are mentioning, and and it's a. I would imagine this has been going on for a while, you know, and now as as it's grown again. You see these relationships, Dave. I mean, you've worked in the casino business with me for a long time, in the paramutual business. You know, especially in the casino business. Once the machines came here in South Florida, you know, you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday into Monday morning where you're running 24 hours. You know, and casinos all around the country, they're usually open 24 hours. So employees in the casino business who work, you know, swing or grave shifts... You know, I've seen a lot of relationships form because of the time frame that you have. You really, you really can't. You know, uh, depending on your schedule, it, it's hard. You know, to to meet people. So you, you know, you you have a large group of people that are working there, and in the in the casino industry, usually most rooms have more female dealers than male dealers. Right, right. You know, so. It, it lends itself to that, and in the poker world, we know that these tournaments run 10, 12 hours if you're successful in a day, multiple days. I, I, I find it hard to believe that there aren't more <laughs> relationships, you know. Um, and again, Dave, it's, it, you also have to have that same mindset, you know, when you have, like you're saying, uh, top female, top male it's not only a relationship that that's a physical relationship, but it becomes a very strong emotional relationship right, because right. you have stuff. You know, you're discussing strategies. You know that with with your own, with your partner. You know, and and again, it, it's a very special thing now that's happening. I don't I don't think you ever heard too many of these stories going back twenty thirty years ago. Well, it, does there need to be a concerted effort among the the, ter- the people who run the rooms, the tournament directors, for instance? Uh, at the Tournament Directors Association, I know that they have uh, tried to impress on their members that they need to s- get out on the floor, and, and s- when they see these things happening, let's make an example of the people who uh, are bothering women. What do we need to do to make things better for those women to get them playing in the game? It's not just it's not just the little comments here and there. It's just the total uh, macho uh, male attitudes talking loud, uh, threatening either other men while they're sitting at the table. There's lots of things that happen there that make them say, I'm not coming back here anymore. Well, exactly. Well, first of all, you need a strong management team. And when I say strong management team, I'm talking from the top of the casino, you know, not just the manager, the director of the poker room. We We need that person, whoever he or she is, to be empowered to make those moves against these people because once once you start and I hate to use this word of saying make an example out of somebody but once you start throwing out some of the garbage you know like I tell everybody the smell gets a lot better in the room you know <laughs> and um, people start coming up to you and going thank God and you need someone with a strong backbone that is willing to do that and not put up with it now Here's the here's the part of that double-edged sword, Dave, is that in a lot of places, the biggest offenders are usually the people that 
play the highest, may even be the best tippers. Because in my experience, you know, the 70% of the biggest jerks have been the best tippers. So dealers are afraid to say something because they think it's going to affect them in the pocketbook. They don't realize that it will affect them in the pocketbook by not saying anything because the more people you drive away, the less tables you'll be able to get on to. And when you're there, you're there for your whatever shift, how many ever hours your shift is, that means less downs for you sitting at a table, okay? And they just don't see that. You know, they, they, they look short-term instead of long-term, okay? And sometimes the floor getting tipped by these people because that they, they know that they have to do this because that's the only way people are going to put up with them. Imagine some idiot acting that way and didn't give you a dime. It'd make it real easy for you to to just say, hey, you know, get the hell out of my poker room. But you need to be supported. You know, the, the floor person, remember, it all starts on the line. I've always told my dealers, you are our frontline soldiers. You are the ones that deal with our customer. Then the, uh, the floor supervisor. Then if you have a shift manager or the manager or the assistant manager, and it keeps going up the ladder that way. So the people at the very top who make all the importance, like they say, you know, people who are way out of my, our, you know, our, our price range or, or, or our pay grade, excuse me, have to empower the people on the bottom to be able to make these moves, and you have to stand by them. Right. Unfortunately, here in South Florida, Big Dave, I have seen way too many rooms that, yes, throw somebody out for a day, for a week. And again, hate to use the term, make an example out of, but sooner or later, you do have to make an example out of a few of them. Listen, the WSOP, as we've mentioned on this show before, what have they done? They've banned people for for their behaviors. Right. That you know, they're, 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 you know, So they're telling us, hey, we're not going to put up with these things. These are some of the things that we have to actually start to really, really do and make an, like I said, again, make an example out of these people, you know, put put that scarlet letter on their chest and let and let them, let the, the people who come to have a good time and play poker and the women there, no one wants to feel threatened, you right. know. Right. What do you think about uh, Chris Moneymaker's comments that uh, he, he actually thinks women are better poker players than men? He said uh, they're much more intuitive. They don't let their egos get in the way. He said the women that I've played with at the highest levels are always better than the guys, he says. Do you think that has some credence? Uh, honestly, yes, I do. I just, and, and, and you know, and females, female poker players just don't want to put up with the nonsense since they're not into that machismo thing, which is what gives them that big edge, you know. And I hate when I have seen a few of the women kind of lower themselves to the level of the men because I, I, I would only imagine out of frustration after, after a while because no one in the room is acting like a, like a real man to take care of a situation. Because I know, as I've mentioned on this show before, I have embarrassed the hell out of people who have used such vulgar language and I mean, you know, when I get excited, my voice, you can hear it about a half, you know, a block and a half away, let alone in a, in a poker room, okay? And I speak it very loud when I tell them, would you like me to say that to your mother, your wife, your daughter, your sister, some, some female member in your family? Would you love me to go and talk into your home and speak that way? You know, I don't know if it's a lack of education, if, if 
Whatever it is, I just can't get over it. I do understand because I, I'm not going to tell you sit here and say that I've been a saint all my life. If, if I'm in a private game with, with nothing but guys in the house, we're all saying words and telling different jokes and stories than we are out in public. Okay? But that is the scenario that, that, that you're in. Okay? Again, I'm not preaching to tell you, I'm, you know, I should be sainted or anything because I'm not. But when, when I'm in front of my daughters, or when I'm in front of females, and even forget about the females, I'm, any other person, I try to act, you know, like I was brought up to act. Right, right. Okay, so I, I do agree 100% with Moneymaker. Most women who dedicate themselves to this, in my opinion, are much better poker players than the men. They're just not as big gamblers as the men are. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, let's just face it that everything has changed, not just the Me Too movement, and uh, we see Harvey Weinstein you know, going to jail and, and Chris uh, Matthews uh, having to resign from MSNBC because of the comments he made uh, to uh, Elizabeth Warren and other uh, people. Uh, you know, the, the things are slowly changing, you know, and these things are now pointed out, whereas 20 years ago, a guy could make a comment and we would never hear about it because it's just a normal course of events. Listen, and I won't mention the person's name, okay? But think about it. This was 2094, so we're talking, what, 25, 26 years? Not, not quite 26 years yet, okay? And one of the big managers at where I worked at that time, and I won't mention where it is, used to refer to all the women, hey, Toots, how you doing? You know, and, you know, you know, and that's the only word I could use right now, but, you know, he'd use these words, and I'm like thinking about scratching my head going, <laughs> and I don't know, you use that word today in, in, in the poker room, I've had the habit of calling women's sweetheart. I grew up hearing that in New Jersey. I never say it. I never say it like, hey, sweetheart. But I have been told. Now, guess what? I I say it in front of my wife. I I never say it in in a tone of, like I said, it's never been used for that. But guess why I still continue to do this, okay? And, and as our producer here, Joe, is telling, shaking his head at me, okay? And I've been told by HR not to do that at work, Joe, okay? But many years ago, I said that to an elderly woman as she was walking into our room. And she stopped and had this look. And I said, ooh, I'm sorry. Did, I hope I didn't offend you by saying, you know, sweetheart. I said, because I told her, oh, just come this way, sweetheart. I'm going to put you at your seat over here. That's how I approached it. And she stopped, and I thought maybe she had gotten offended, because some people have told me, and then, thank God, when I explain myself, it's never led to an issue in, in 30, almost 30 years that I've been in the business. But she said to me, she goes, no. She looked at me, and she said, I haven't been called sweetheart since my husband passed away. So she gave me a hug, made me feel great, even though I she thought at the moment. Okay. Yeah, you know, so, and again, I try not to use that. I don't use it. As often as I used to. Go ahead, John. Love to I'm, hear I'm your just. Comment. I'm sorry to invade Poker Action Line, everybody. I'm here, but uh, you just have to use it in a unisex way. So you can call Dave Sweetheart, <laughs> or he call you Sweetheart, and get used to calling your bud Sweetheart. Like, hey, and Dave, we know this guy does have a sweetheart. He's a nice man. So if you start using it that way, I think it's okay. 
All right. Well, so so I have to use it on, on both sexes, not just the females. Then all of a sudden it's disarmed. There and you then go. It becomes just a normal thing. Well, listen, I've been lucky because I know I've had HR say, Joe, you can't say that. No one's ever complained about it. And when I thought that I have, may have offended somebody, again, I... It's not like I said. It's not like a leering. Hey, sweetheart, how you doing there? You know. <laughs> well, this goes back to the original thought of why do we need women's tournaments that cost ten percent of what the men would have to pay in the same tournament? And the, the idea is, uh, it paves the way for women to get started in the game, and uh, women are no longer scoffed at for for wanting to play a man's game once they get into it and show up at these other tournaments. And guess what? Though we've also had a lot of top female players that don't like this. No, we've had a few. Okay, you know, so, and my thinking is this. Yes, it's wonderful to do this for them, and I would love to do this because I think that would allow novices to get in there. But the top pros who have, you know, you know, cut cut their, 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 the cloth already, make it going through and having to put up with these idiots, they want to make it easier, obviously, for any, any new a uh, woman that's learning to play poker and and is even thinking of making it a semi career or a career of playing poker okay but eventually we i would imagine most women would want to do away with that type of tournament that it would be a lesser thing that the WSOP would love to do that just so it attracts complete novices and somehow figures out a way of you know not having the top females play in this because we have to get to the point where there is no difference between the the, the male. You, you, you don't want to just show a preference. We want to do that now because we want to attract women that know they won't have to put up with whatever it is they're putting up with. Well, there, as we head to men. a break here, uh, I do want to say, uh, go back to the uh, the dealer chick's uh, latest article and uh, what she talks about. And she finishes it by saying, Men, next time you find yourself sitting next to the only woman at the poker table, instead of flirting with her or degrading her for daring to be there or trying to teach her how to play, maybe you should just welcome her to the felt. Maybe if more men did that, ladies-only tournaments would be a fun option instead of a necessity. And I, I, that, once again, couldn't have right said it. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Absolutely. And then there's, you know, uh, to make things nicer in a room, women are women are pretty. They smell better than the men. And uh, I certainly have always welcomed uh, people to my table. I, I, I enjoy it when I sit next to women, whether they're beautiful or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, that that should that should be a a non non uh, decision there with whether they're beautiful or not, Dave. It's just a matter of it's a lady sitting next to you. I don't care if it's twenty one year old or sixty or seventy year old lady sitting next to you. You treat them with the respect that they deserve and that I'm sure they've earned. So just treat them again. I I, I don't know how other people were brought up, but I know that I was taught to bring brought up to to you know respect everybody at the table so okay let's close things out here for this segment then we'll come back and we'll talk about a few other things uh upcoming is the global poker awards we'll mention that and a few other things the wsop and some of the new enhancements there and uh, we'll talk a few results and uh, some upcoming events as we usually do you're listening to poker action line we'll be back with more of the show after these messages 
This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready, waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe. Uh, the Global Poker Awards uh, comes up this week, later this week. Uh, did want to briefly mention that uh, you can always pick up the show on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, so you can pick up the show on a weekly basis. Um, we are looking to maybe try some new things down the road uh, to, to promote different parts of the game. So we may not have as many interviews, but we will try to get some people in a different aspect of the game. And we will be uh, letting you know more about that down the road. But uh as we head into this Global Poker Awards, uh, being hosted by Maria Ho, one of the great women players in this world, actually finished uh, in third place in the Seminole Hard Rock Classic last year, the uh, Summer Showdown. And uh, they are coming back in April to play that again and play down to a final table, which will again be in Vegas this year. But Maria Ho and Drea Renee uh, will be hosting the Global Poker Awards this Friday. It is March the 6th on Poker Go from the Poker Go Studios at the Aria in uh, Las Vegas. And they are uh, coming on at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. So you can check that out if you... Uh, and what was the date again on that big March day? the 6th. The 6th, so just in three days. Hopefully our good friend Tony Burns gets to bring it home. Not for him, but for his kids, as he said. Yeah, that would be that would be great if Tony were to win uh, for a tournament director of the year. Uh next week we'll give you all the results instead of uh uh giving too much uh, time t- talking about who we think is going to win because we really have no idea. But uh, <laughs> uh we we have our people that we like and that we're going to cheer for and uh they really recognize uh, the writers and the vloggers and the the people who do podcasts uh that are just basically uh, stand behind this game and, and create such a great situation at a lot of places. Uh, I mentioned the woman, uh, one of the people who is up for a poker personality of the year is Kitty Kuo. She's uh, from China, and 
does not speak great English in in her syntax and uh, stuff on Twitter is is kind of hilarious actually, uh, but you get the idea of what she's trying to say and she tweets p- uh, pictures of herself and that sort of thing. She's up for an award this year. Uh, Joey Ingram is a podcaster and a broadcaster for many uh, different aspects of the game. He's up for four different awards. Well, congratulations. And then there'll be awards for media content of the year, including uh, writers and videos and journalists and streams. And there'll be all kinds of great things. We'll talk about some of that next week uh, when the winners come out. But uh, looking forward to that this Friday night, uh, the Poker Go Studios at the Aria in Las Vegas. And they will be producing, uh, Poker Girl will be producing some final tables this year, Seminole Hard Rock, Hard Rock being one of them. Some of the tournaments that have already played down to a final table will be uh, getting underway uh, in the next couple of weeks out there as well, including uh, uh, the Gardens Tournament, the uh, uh, LA Poker Classic, the Borgata, things like that. So uh, it's been pretty interesting, and for people who like to watch poker on TV, there's still plenty of it on there, and Poker Go is really the place to go. Yep, you've been you've been a big fan of theirs from almost the very beginning, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, different things going on in the uh, uh, local tournaments. Uh, we just finished up the second of four in the Escalator Series, and I wanted to mention that over at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood uh, as... Uh, the first one uh, was the 150 buy-in, and was won by uh, Raffaella, Raffaello, I should say, Raffaello Locatelli uh, was the winner of that one. Uh, they had 1,477 players with the 150 buy-in. The guarantee was 100,000, so they uh, actually shattered that. This latest one that just finished over the weekend was the 250 buy-in, which is the second in an escalating series of buy-ins and guarantees. Uh, they did uh, 1600 for that one and uh, ended up with a prize pool of over $336,000. Uh, the, the trophy was awarded to Charbel Beirudi, and uh, it was actually a six-way chip, uh, chop. The other ones uh, was also, I think it was a seven-way chop in the other one, to be honest. But uh, get down to these things, and, and guys are collecting over thirty grand for first place, even though it was slated to be f- something like 48000 or something. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> unless they're the top pros and thinking they can overrun these fields, that 30000 looks real good in the bank account. Everybody that made the final table gets a buy-in to the next one, which is coming up this weekend, starting, I believe, on Friday. Uh, they'll have the uh, the day ones, for, uh, actually Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and they will play day two on Sunday for the 360, which is the third of four tournaments, $360 uh, buy-in, and uh, 300000 guarantee. So, uh, great idea. This is the fourth year. I was just looking down the list of some people that I might have known uh, that made uh, that final table. It looks like Jackie Scott, uh, who won the women's event. Uh, three years ago, I believe. Uh, she just missed. She finished 10th. Oh. So kind of a tough uh, beat there. But she uh, is a very good player and uh, does have not have any problem battling it out with the men at any time. <laughs> good for her. Yeah, absolutely. So that is the Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, nationally, we just finished up in Chicago with the WPT or I'm sorry, the WSOP Circuit, and that was at uh, Hammond, Indiana, which is outside of Chicago. 
And the winner of that one, uh, they had, let's see, how many players do they have in that one? 989. Shiva Dudani uh, was the winner of the circuit ring at uh, Hammond. And uh, Casey Carroll finished second. Brian Screens was third. Um, those have become, you know, places that big-name players can go and prove themselves on maybe like the minor league level of uh, of uh, poker. But, uh, you know, it, it brings together all the people from that immediate area. So you drew from yeah, Chicago and, and Michigan. Yeah, and guess and what? You know, with these different types of, like you said, uh, tournaments like this being done like this, I'm sure it cuts down sometimes on some of the costs, the travel costs, you right. know. When you live near these areas, it's a lot cheaper driving to some of these these areas and then flying to them and, you know, and if, especially if you could stay in your own home and, and like, you know, sleep in your own bed, um, it definitely has got to help. It does seem to help. It does yeah, seem to help, you know, for sure. So. Uh, they are moving on to uh, St. Louis next. The Ameristar Classic getting underway uh, very shortly, and uh, I guess we won't be back here till the fall, as far as uh, the South Florida goes. But the WSOP circuit is uh, has really done a tremendous job. We give them a lot of credit. Uh, also, the WPT we mentioned last week about the Falls View champion Eric Afriot, and they are moving on now to. Uh, uh, new action, so we'll be uh, we'll be following that on the uh, WPT. Uh, we'll give you the schedule a little later in the show. I did want to get back to the WSOP tournament, which uh, there are slowly in dribs and drabs matching out different uh, uh, tournament lists and tournament battles. But uh, the enhancement uh, of the SOP, as uh, talked about, we're now three months away from the start of the tournament. Uh, actually actually gets underway basically the last week of May so yeah L- less than 3 months <laughs> less than 3 months in, in for the big tournament in May i mean to start the WSOP uh, uh event this is the 51st year it runs from May 26th through July 15th and uh they do uh, require you at the just here's a few notes for just the people that maybe haven't been out there before and uh, have developed our game to the point where they're going for the first year. But you do have to have a Caesars reward card to enter any events. So you uh, go to the place. If you forget your card, do not sign up for a new one. You actually just go and get a replacement card. Uh, so a, it would be a, basically a reprint. They do have reprint kiosks available in uh, the Rio and around the rotunda there. Uh, the main registration at the Rio Convention Center is at the Tropical Ballroom, and that starts uh, on the 26th, Tuesday the 26th, 24 hours a day. So we always remind people that you don't have to wait till the morning to go get in line early. You can stay up. You know, you're up playing anyway late at a lot of these places, 2, 3 in the morning. 2, 3 in the morning, like you said, is probably the best time to, to register for these things. If there's any line, it's going to be minimal. Yeah, for sure. So uh, uh, the methods of payment are, have expanded over the years. You can now pay, with obviously, with cash, but you can pay with uh, credit or debit cards, wire transfers, or cashier's check from a bank. Uh, you can pay with the chips from the Rio gaming area. And uh, you can also set up the account that we mentioned before, a WSOP tournament account, which is free to set up. And we talked about Danny Negreanu feeling like this is... 
the smartest thing to do. He said, it's a no-brainer for anyone who plays more than a couple of events. He said, I went to the registration cage once to set it up, then utilize the self-serve kiosk the rest of the summer to register for any event I wanted to play. I was in and out of the kiosk in less than a minute and on my way to the seat. And I so, would suggest that people who are going to play for the very first time, like you said, they need a Caesars card. Yeah. So I'd call them up and see if you can register for a Caesars card if there's a Caesars I property. I think you can do any, that online. On, either like, online or if there's a Caesars property near you, wherever you live. If this is going to, like I said, going to be your first time entering any of the tournaments at the WSOP. Uh, like I said, read all of these things. Have them all taken care of in advance. I mean, I go back. This is just for the preparation of the tournament, Dave. But uh, I go back to Bernard Lee being on our show, and and I can't recall some of the other the names of some of the other guests that told us about uh, how to prepare yourself right. for that. I you know the one that stands out is Bernard Lee's uh, uh, visit to us here when 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 he spoke with us and uh, let us know some of. The, the ideas that he had about getting yourself prepared for for this thing we've always kind of talked about these things as as it gets closer to the to the tournament time to the start of the tournament time but this is just another added part of it now especially that they've made it easier and as D- Daniel Negrano said the kiosks seem to <laughs> work wonderfully for him so that's something you should seriously consider. Uh, one thing that's always been a problem is long lines to cash out, especially like in a big tournament like the Colossus. And they uh, really dealt with that by paying out, uh, playing down to the money, basically on the first uh, for on a day one. So that that made things much better. But for the first time now, uh, in-person registration and payouts will be separated. They used to have to go to the same place, and all the people got in line. Uh, so there will be more stations added to both areas for that to ease congestion. Yeah. Well, you and I are old enough to remember when they had uh, in the paramutuals the selling tickets and the cashing tickets. Right, so right, right. this seems like uh, the modern version of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else they got going? They got the big 50 this year. We'll be back once again. Uh, $500 buy-in, 50,000 starting chips, 50-minute levels. And they'll have starting flights on four different days, May the 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st uh, at 10 a.m. And there'll be a special process to expedite getting players to their seats as quickly as possible. So uh, all the things that have gone wrong, they've put a lot of thought into and uh, are working out much better for them. Good. Well, we've always praised them. They've always made the changes that they have to make, and they come up with the new ideas to make it at least as as Painless as possible for for their for their poker Absolutely. players and guests. Main event uh, starts on July the first, first, second, and third are the three opening days, and uh, we gave you a little bit of that schedule last week. But uh, we'll look forward to uh, covering everything, uh, the monster stack and, s- and several other big tournaments. But I looked at the list today, which they have the complete schedule, and there's actually 102 bracelets this year. I was just going to say. We were in the 90s. I said, I wonder if they're going to try to push this up to 100 bracelets. Well, there's a listing on their page that they put out 116 places, but that includes like day 1B, 1C, 1D of different tournaments, 1B and 1C of the main. So if you subtract out those extra days, there's different events. And there's 14 online events. So, uh, you know, it's it's exploding. Can you imagine if, if, let's say, within the next five years, uh, most of the states have 
online poker, and it becomes legal to be yeah, able to to, to do all of that. I would imagine you'd go to forty or fifty bracelets for online tournaments when people can play them from from uh, whatever state they live in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things uh, we talked briefly about last week was Joe Biden and what that might mean for online poker. And uh, I think it, it's funny how things changed so quickly. Last week, we felt like, uh, wow, Bernie Sanders all of a sudden is the, we may not even have to worry about Joe Biden much longer. But South Carolina came and went, and it went very well, and things are going very well on Super Tuesday today. So, uh, again, there will be more discussion about what that might mean uh, for the future. But it's got to be, uh, certainly got to be better than, in the Trump administration. <laughs> anyway, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was, and you've been in tournaments before online where someone got yes. disqualified. Uh, this happened in a very major event. Uh, and there has been talk about this for about a year, but the WCOOP event in 2018, uh, there was a lot of talk that uh, the winner had, was playing on someone else's account. And uh, they had their account frozen, and went and and uh, things had been revised. It was the winner was a a player named Want Want W A N N two play Want to play, and uh, they have stripped him of the title. Uh, him or her now is when they stripped him of yeah, it from two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. yeah. Over 2,000 entries in that event uh, with a $5,000 buy-in. So the new champion is now uh, Ezekiel Wagle, who was the second-place finisher, has now been awarded the title. Uh, Want to play was from Netherlands, and uh, all they knew was they said that uh, he had won a $530 satellite to get into the event, but that he was a well-known pro, and he ghosted an account uh, that belonged to somebody else. So, uh, you know, I don't. I'm not exactly sure why you would do that. But how would you? I mean, you have to be in cahoots with that person, no? Unless you were playing more than one account, uh, multi-accounting. Uh, uh, well, that's true. Well, like I said, you did. You did mention right at the start of that that I was involved in, in a big tournament for uh, full tilt, and uh, I was running really well. And I remember going to bed at about three or four in the morning when I got eliminated deep in the tournament and figuring, oh, I had picked up, I remember it was something like about $1,900 and they had some big tournament I really wanted to play uh, early Sunday afternoon. So when I got up and logged in and saw my account number, I go, wait, (laughs) Christmas came early, you know, and um, I was was told when I got them because I didn't want to be suspended thinking somebody had made a mistake. If it's not mine, I didn't want it. And when I was called, they just said, somebody got disqualified. Actually, two people got disqualified in the tournament that I was playing. So that moved me into a different price range, you know, a different uh, price pool range. And uh, that was the reason for that there. But they would not give me any details as to what occurred and why these people were, you know, disqualified. Right. So, so it's uh, trying to figure out, and people were asking, you know, what's that going to mean if I played in that event? 
that they are redistributing. Yeah, that money. absolutely, absolutely. And uh, well, it, it'll it'll really affect the bubble people <laughs> because everybody will move up one spot. Right. So if you were a bubble person, it'll it'll affect your money. Uh, you know, you'll move up into the next level. So, yeah. and whoever bubbled it without getting paid is. Is it hopefully still has their account available so that they, they find themselves with some extra money in it. Exactly. Uh, and we're not talking uh, chump change here. We're talking about a f- uh, first prize of uh, $1.257 million. Well, think about that. I imagine second place was probably getting a little more than 50% of that, right? You would imagine 60, 65% yeah. of that. So that's a big jump. Like I said, well, the top ten. I, sh- I, I, I sh- let me correct myself. I kept saying the bubble people. The uh, once you got to that final table, and the the money jumps there were going to be big. Also, obviously, second place went from I would imagine somewhere around six seven hundred thousand to picking up almost another half million and and so forth and so on for right. the other people behind them. Right, exactly. So you know this stuff happens. Um, you know, people will try to use any uh, well, this any is not a, this route is not they can to to win money and to cheat the system. Yeah, this is not a first thing, first time for these things. Uh, you know, I'm just grateful that whatever security, however they find this out, that you know they make it public and let us know exactly yeah. what what happened, so that the people feel comfortable doing yeah. that. Yeah, well, I think the intentions of uh, Poker Stars and some of these other big companies is to keep their reputation solid and pr- provide people with a place to have a fair game. I can't think of an, any reason why not to. You know, I know they said the, the the full tilt people was like a Ponzi scheme with their money, but oh my God, with the amount of players that they, they've got playing and with the cash games, the tournament money that they're making, I... <laughs> I don't know. I can't see the cost being that bad that you can't be making, you know, that you it's like a license to print money for the most part. The money has to be in the account. They're not issuing credit to anybody. So you just want a, a straight up squared squared game so that you can continue to keep making money 24 hours a day. Right, exactly. Okay, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk a couple hands and and a little bit of strategy here, fit that in uh, here in the last part of the show. Uh, We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. And don't forget that you can always uh, find us on SoundCloud, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and any place where you get your podcasts. Check it out, Poker Action Line, or go to PokerActionLine.com. We'll be back with more of the show. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, 
prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. All righty. Well, welcome back uh, to our closing segment over here. Uh, usually you're hearing my partner's voice now <laughs> as, we, uh, as we welcome back our, our listeners here. And as he's coming into in, entering the studio right now, um, uh, I'll let him continue here, Dave. I've welcomed our listeners back for our final segment, and I know you wanted to discuss some strategy and everything else. You're doing great. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just continue. Carry, huh? carry the last just uh, off the top of my head there, huh? Again, but uh, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I've enjoyed this show a whole lot, talking about the women in poker, trying to get our 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 female, you know, uh, playing ship up there, and I, I honestly believe that's something that has to be seriously at the top of every list of every tournament director, poker room manager. How can we get more women involved in poker? Yeah. So. Well, we teach them a way to uh, handle hands. Uh, uh, interesting hand review I just read. Uh, from a tournament that was actually down here, it was at the Rock and Roll Poker Open in November, and it was very late in the event. Three players left in this field of uh, almost a thousand players. Uh, Milan Stefanov had the chip lead with 24 million chips. They're at blinds of uh, 200,000, 400,000 with a 400,000 ante, and uh, the 24 million on top. Second was David Novosel with 9.3 million, and Fabian Gums third. Uh, just over six million. So I wanted to talk about this hand and see what you thought. I thought it was played very well, obviously. Uh, Novacell opened for eight hundred fifty thousand on the button, and Stefanov defended the big blind. Uh, the flop was Jack Ten Deuce Rainbow. Jack Ten Deuce. Okay. Stefanov checked. Uh, Novacell bet seven hundred thousand. And a 10 came on the river, the 10 of spades. Putting two 10s on the board. Right. Stefanov bet out 1.25 million. Novacell called. And then there was a 6 on the river, 6 of diamonds, which was really a blank. And uh, Stefanov bet enough to put Novacell in for his last uh, uh, 6.5 million. Uh, He took a lot of time holding King 6. So the six was meaningful for him. There was no king on the board earlier, so it was kind of weird that he stuck around for that long, except that, um, you know, we had a couple of spades uh, on the board. He only had the one spade. Oh, no, it was king six of spades. Both were spades. So he actually had a flush king flush draw. Okay, he had a king flush draw. So the only, all right, so he drew a complete blank. 
but it, the flush draw didn't come until the turn, correct? Right. Correct. He called. He called a, 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 a flop bet. Right. And then obviously he had the the flush draw. The only thing he had was a flush draw and an overcard of a king. Uh, heads up, unless he put his opponent on a queen nine nine eight, you know, trying to spike the straight. Um, six hits. I don't know what he would be uh, been looking for. Yeah. He's after the flop, for, after the flop, for this pay, after the flop, he, if he called any, of the, I, I forgot what the wager was after the flop, but if he called the flop, he he's, can't be putting his opponent on any kind of a hand. And now that the ten, the only thing the ten did was give him a, a flush draw, but could have given his opponent three of a kind, a full house. Well, it did give he him a full the, house because he was uh, okay. holding jack ten. So, uh, so I think go. the way he played it, he very much slow played it and. Uh, Kind of uh, roped him in a little bit. Um, no, well, I'm not thinking from his side of point of view. You said the six helped the other, the well, guy I who was it, thinking you know, of calling, right? Yeah. He he put his opponent, the full house put his opponent all in, and the six, in this case, could, was a terrible card for him because it actually did give him a pair. If he was putting his opponent on an open-ended uh, straight draw, you know, that was reading him as weak, I yeah, don't know. He still had six of eight and five million. Put it this way. If you made the call on the flop with no draw whatsoever other than an overcard of a king, okay, because you didn't have the flush draw till the, the till the turn card, I think that six makes him make that call at the end. I don't know. I don't know what he did, though. So I'm waiting to hear it from you now. Well, the the the... the Obviously, uh, the fellow holding Jack Ten busted the other guy out. So the guy with the King Six did call. Yeah, like I said, call. he should call. Yeah. If if he made the call on the turn, on the flop, and then on the turn, and catches the six, doesn't catch the flush. The only thing I'm thinking is he thought his opponent was was either bluffing, right, or or had some sort of straight draw that his that, King that got short, that yeah, got that shorted, and there. his six got there. So. That six turned out when you said it was a, it, it was it didn't change anything. In essence, it was a big card for that king six because now he's he has sold himself the goods that hey if this guy missed his straight draw I just picked up my you know a pair of sixes I got him beat right so so here's his analysis basically this uh, fellow uh, that uh, we've actually had on the show before and that's Mo Nuara. But he says, uh, you know, it's pretty standard pre-flop action uh, following uh, Novosel's open. Stefanov has a decent hand, Jack-10 suited, but uh, not to three bets, so it's just fine if he just wants to uh, make the call there. So uh, he calls and flops the top two pair. Uh, he slow plays it with the check call. He said he likes this decision because while many cards can roll off that beat him, by giving his opponent a straight, the two players are pretty shallow, so there's not much risk if that happens. Okay, so wait a minute. I asked you, did did he make did did uh, the the two pair make a bet on the flop? So he didn't make a pair on the flop, or did he or did he yeah, check uh, and there was a bet by the other player and he just called? Uh, Stefanov, who had the jack ten, bet out for one point two five, and and the other player with a smaller stack called. Okay, so the check call was on the, was on pre-flop. The first check call was pre-flop. Pre-flop, yes. okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the, he says the really interesting uh, uh, stuff begins on the turn when Stefanov hits his full house, 
and Novosel picks up a flush draw. But rather than continue checking, Stefanov decides to lead for a small sizing. And he says, I'm a fan of this play for a few reasons. He says, first, it allows him to try to get more money into the pot with his strong hand. And if his opponent doesn't have anything, he's likely to shut down anyway on this card. But he may be cautious and check back a hand as strong as a jack or an overpair. Second, Stefanov can balance this by betting a good chunk of his straight draws, uh, especially the weaker ones that don't have much showdown value and don't pay well as check calls on the turn. He said, I like a little bigger bet something like $1.7 million, but that might convince an opponent to get rid of an ace high or a gut shot. Uh, he had the best scenario the there because his opponent had a king high flush draw. Right. You know, another spade hits that board. I mean, granted, he got the money in there anyway because the six hit his opponent. If that six was, uh, was you know, uh, a five that wasn't a spade, you know, I don't think his opponent obviously makes any kind of a call there. So the sixth, in my opinion, as I said before, was just as good as catching a spade on that river that would give his opponent a flush to his full house. Right. said, uh, this is definitely a spot where the chip leader should be pressuring him. So I can absolutely see why I decided to call. Uh, it's a spot where I lean a little more toward a fold, but I can see a good case for calling against strong opponents. Uh, he says, I think players too reflexively check the turn a lot of times when they are in Stefanov's shoes here. I like the way he played this hand post-flop, and it propelled him to the $445,000 first prize. Yeah, I, I agree there. His bet his bet on the turn with his opponent calling with that particular hand that he had, and then if he had caught a six, a king, or a spade, and he did catch the six... His opponent's got to be thinking, if I made this call, I think I got him on the river. And like he said, the chip leader would be looking to make a move right there to get him to fold, or you know, that type of hand. And I think, like like he said, uh, the bet the bet on the on the flop and the turn, you know, with his opponent making both calls, was what got him to get the call because the guy hit one of his two cards on right, the river. Right. Exactly. Okay, well, interesting hand. Uh, congratulations on that title for Milos uh, Stefanov. And uh, that's going to do it for our show tonight. Uh, we'll be back with more next week on another edition of the program. See what's happening uh, with the World Series and other th- events uh, coming our way. And uh, look forward to having you join us here on another edition of the show. Joe, thank you very much. Joe uh, Costello, thank you very much. You jumped in earlier. Joe. Uh, Thank you, and safe travels for the next two weeks, brother. Okay, we'll be talking with you soon. Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next week on another edition of the show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.